We welcome you on this Memorial Day weekend. And if you have a Bible or you want to use the Pew Bible, please turn to Matthew chapter 7. We'll be looking at our text in just a moment. But the title of my message this morning is To Judge or Not to Judge. That's the question we're going to be looking at. But would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for Memorial Day as we remember all the men and women who have served our nation, who have given the ultimate sacrifice to defend our nation and to give us the freedoms that we so enjoy. And we thank you for each one of them who have ever served. And Lord, I just pray this morning a special blessing upon every military family. We ask that you would bless them, that you keep them and watch over them. And Father, this morning, we thank you for your word. We know it's true. And we ask that you would open the scriptures to us. Father, would you give us ears to hear what you have to say to us? Speak to us, Lord. Guide and direct our time, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, has anyone ever asked you what your favorite Bible verse is? You know, that's a hard question because there's so many good verses. And maybe your favorite verse, maybe it just depends upon what you're going through at the time. But according to Amazon.com, the most highlighted verse in the Bibles they sell, I don't know how they track this, but here's what they say. They say it's Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a great verse? I mean, that's got to be at the top of the list, wouldn't you say? Maybe in the top ten. But, um, you know, I don't know what your favorite verse is. But I do know what the world's favorite verse is. I do know what the unbeliever's favorite verse is. First, let me tell you what it isn't. I think it ought to be John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what it ought to be. But oh no. Oh no. Today the favorite verse, and you may know it, it's our text this morning. It's Matthew 7, 1. Do not judge or you too will be judged. Now, why is this the world's favorite verse? Why do they choose this one? Well, I hate to say it, but it's often to get you, the Christian, off their back. And here's how it usually works. Maybe you're sharing your faith with someone and the subject of sin comes up or something about their lifestyle and you very gently say to them, you know, according to the Bible, that's wrong. According to the Bible, that's a sin. And they come back with, hey, doesn't the Bible say do not judge? Who are you to judge me? Or who are you to judge them? Do not judge. And you think, well, you know, I guess the Bible does say that. Jesus said, do not judge. Maybe I better just stop right now. No. No, they're taking that verse out of context. You see, many today use this verse to silence their critics, interpreting Jesus' meaning as, you don't have the right to tell me I'm wrong. Or, or you don't have the right to tell anyone else what's wrong. So what did Jesus mean when he says, do not judge? 
Is Jesus saying that we're not to make judgments? Is Jesus saying that we're not to have opinions? Is, is he saying that we're not to evaluate the behavior and the actions of others? What does he mean when he says, do not judge? Well, first, let's acknowledge that there are some people, maybe many people, who are very judgmental, very critical. And they're always criticizing others and putting others down. You know, it reminds me of a story I heard about a young man who wanted to get married. And so he brought a girl home and his mother didn't like her one bit. So then he brought another girl home and his mother didn't like her either. She found fault with him. This happened a third time. Well, then finally found a girl that looked just like his mother, dressed just like his mother. She acted just like her mother, spoke just like her mother. Problem was then the father didn't like her. (laughs) You know, kind of funny, but also kind of sad. Kind of sad because, you see, if we're overly critical, if we're overly judgmental, Jesus warned it'll be measured back to us. And that can happen in any of our relationships. It can happen in our marriage. And I have to confess this morning, you know, the person that I'm often the most judgmental with or the most critical with is my wife, the very person I love the most. It can happen with our children or our parents, our co-workers, our neighbors. It can happen with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And if we're honest... At one time or another, or maybe many times, we've all sat in the seat of the judge. And we've judged people by the things we've said and by the things that we've thought. And I'm sure that we've all sat in the seat of the judged. There are many times we've felt judged by somebody else. In fact, there may be someone here this morning who at one point in your life, you left the church because you felt like you were being judged. Last month, I met a student at OSU, and she told me that when she was younger, she'd gone to church with her parents, but then when she got to high school, she stopped going to church because she felt like she was being judged. And I told her I was sorry that happened. I told her that God loved her, and that Jesus didn't come to judge her or to condemn her, but Jesus came to save her. And she listened carefully as I shared the gospel with her, and she thanked me for sharing with her. And I gave her a little gospel of John, and she said, I'll read that. I'll read that. I sure will. In a book called Unchristian, David Kinnaman describes why the church is failing to reach the next generation. He said when 19 to 20 year olds were asked to give their perception of Christianity, the top three things they listed were anti-homosexual, judgmental, and hypocritical. And he goes on to say, rather than feeling welcomed, young people today have felt judged by the church. So what does Jesus mean when he says, do not judge? You know, I think this admonition spoken by Jesus in Matthew 7, 1 is probably the most misunderstood, the most misused, misapplied verse in the entire Bible. And unfortunately today, most people don't understand what Jesus meant. And that's why he goes on to explain his meaning. Now, if you would, let's look at our text. Would you stand with me? As we look at Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. 
Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. These are the words of our Lord. You may be seated. You know, if we were to ask Jesus, Lord, should we judge or should we not judge? I believe he would say it all depends because there's a right way to judge and there is a wrong way to judge. So what does Jesus say about judging? There are several things we learn from this passage. First, Jesus tells us to eliminate wrong judgment. He tells us to eliminate wrong judgment. Now, the word Jesus uses for judge is the Greek word krino. And here it means to criticize in a condemning way. And to gain a little more insight, what Jesus said in Luke 6 might better explain. In a parallel passage in Luke 6, he says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will, and you will not be condemned. Here Jesus uses the word condemn. He brings the word condemn in. You see, there's a big difference between making a judgment and condemning. There's a big difference between evaluating and condemning. There's a big difference between confronting a sin and condemning a sinner. You see, we're not to make the final condemnation. That's for God to do. That's for only, only God can do that. Only God can judge a person's heart. Only God can judge a person's motives. We can't evaluate a person's heart or motives. But you know what? Sometimes we do. Have you ever said or ever thought, I just know their heart is in the wrong place. I just know it is. But no, you don't know that. We don't know that. Only God knows what's in a person's heart. So we're not to judge in a condemning way. And then Jesus taught us that we're not to judge according to outward appearance. In John 7, 24, Jesus says, stop judging by mere appearances. Now, imagine this, if you would just imagine this. Let's say that two young men walk into church. They're both the same age. They're both the same height, the same build. The first young man is clean cut. He's fresh shaven. He's got a nice shirt on, nice slacks, shoes in the latest style. The second walks in wearing a T-shirt. Blue jeans with more holes than pockets. Flip-flops, tattoos on both arms, nose ring, and orange hair. Now, if we're honest, you know, many Christians today may look at the first guy and say, you know, he needs to meet my daughter. Or he needs to meet my sister. Or he needs to work with our youth. And we might look at the second and think, he needs to meet Jesus. Oh, but wait a minute. But wait a minute. I forgot to tell you something. The first man is an atheist. He has a live-in girlfriend and he's addicted to pornography. The second man is pa passionately committed to Jesus Christ. He lives a life of purity and he wants to reach young people with the gospel. You see, all too often we look at the outside, but God 
looks at the heart. We don't know what's in their heart. We don't know what their motives are. God will determine that. We don't know the background. So Jesus warned, do not condemn. That's not for us to do. We're to never judge in a way that only God can judge. James tells us, we read in James, there is only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? But listen. Jesus is not saying that Christians should never judge or make evaluations. In fact, Jesus taught that we should be discerning. In fact, Jesus taught that we should judge, but never be condemning. That brings us to the second point. Jesus told us to make right judgments. Again, in John 7, 24, he said, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. In other words, we're to judge with righteous judgment. And just to show that we're to make judgments, look again at verse 6. You'll see there in verse 6 that Jesus said there's a group of people who are like dogs. And then he goes on to say, don't throw your pearls to pigs. In other words, don't waste the truths of God on people who have no interest whatsoever. But here's my point. To determine whether or not a person is a dog or a pig requires us to make an evaluation. Dare I say it requires us to make a judgment. So in one sense, it's wrong to say that Christians should not judge. No, Christians should judge. Christians must judge. Christians must make evaluations. 1 Corinthians 2.15 says the spiritual man makes judgments about all things. Now, if we look ahead in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus warned us to watch out for false prophets. And I believe as we get closer and closer to the return of Christ, we're going to have more and more false teaching. So as a believer, we must be discerning. As a believer, we're not to be gullible. We're to be wise and discerning. We must make judgments as to what is right and wrong, what's true and false, based upon the truth of God's word. Listen, it is never wrong to call something wrong that God says is wrong. It's never wrong to do that. But when we confront sin, it must be done in love. Ephesians 4.15 says, speaking the truth in love. It says we'll become mature, we'll grow to become mature. And we'll become a mature body of Christ. Speaking the truth in love. You see, there's a balance here. Some speak the truth, but without love. They use the truth of God like a sledgehammer, and they say, well, that's wrong, and and that's a sin. And boom, it comes down like a hammer. And you know what? Technically, that's true. It is a sin, but there's no love. And others will love, but they won't speak the truth. They say, well, that's okay. You don't have to change. No one has the right to judge you. God loves you. And that's true. God does love us. But there's a day of judgment coming. And out of love, we must warn people. Now, just think of this. 
something small. Uh, what if you went to lunch with a friend and, and you noticed after eating they had a little something stuck on their tooth or something? Would you say something to them? What if they had maybe a little something coming down from their ho- nose? Would you say something or would you just let them go on? What if their shirt was inside out? I, I've done that before. I got up early in the morning. I put my T-shirt on inside out. My wife got dressed in the dark one time and left with two different pairs of shoes on. What if there was a tag on their shirt or their coat or on their pants or something like that? What would you do? Would you tell them? You know, if we would do something as small as that, what about something significant? What if there's sin that must be confronted? Proverbs 27.5 says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. You see, a true friend tells you the truth. If we really love people, we'll make judgments. If we really love them, we'll speak the truth in love. But before we confront sin in someone else's life, Jesus taught us something else. Thirdly, Jesus taught us to participate in self-judgment. Look again at verse 3. Jesus says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. You know, I think when Jesus said this, I think he had a smile on his face. I think if we'd have been there, we'd all be laughing. I mean, really, if you stop to think about it, this picture is really funny. Here's a guy staring down a splinter in one man's eye while he has a two by four sticking out of his own eye. Now, the word that Jesus uses for the speck and the log speak of the same material, but just in a smaller dimension. You see, the splinter is just a piece of the log. It's just a little tiny piece of the log. And I believe what Jesus is saying is, is that when we're judgmental and critical of others, we're often criticizing a fault that we have in our own lives. And the reason we see sins in others is because of the sin in our own life. You know, this is so clearly seen in the story of David. If you remember, David was guilty of adultery with Bathsheba. And then, in a sense, he was guilty of murder. He murdered Uriah with the sword of the Hittites. And then he tried to cover up his sin. David hadn't confessed his sin, so God sends Nathan the prophet. And Nathan comes and he lays out a story for the king that required the king's judgment. He said, oh, king, he said, there were two men and they lived in a certain town. One was very rich and the other was poor. The rich man had many cattle and many sheep, but the poor man had just one little lamb. And he raised it with his children and it ate from his plate and drank from his cup. He held it in his arms and it was just like a daughter to him. Well, one day the rich man had a friend that came into town. And instead of taking one of the animals from his own flock, he took the little lamb from the poor man, had it slaughtered to prepare a meal for his friend. King, what should be done? When David heard this, his blood began to boil. He was furious. He said, such a man should be put to death. Such a man should die for that. Why was David so angry? Because David had a log in his own eye. You see, the, requ- the law required only paying back fourfold, not to put someone to death or something like that. Why so harsh? 
Why was David so harsh? Because we're always harshest with the sins lurking in our own heart. That's when we're the quickest to judge and criticize. Listen, if we're overly judgmental and critical with others, maybe we're learning something about ourselves. Maybe we have a log in our own eye. Maybe there's sin in our life that needs to be confessed, sin that needs to be repented of. We're warned in Romans 2.1, says, You therefore have no excuse. You have passed judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. It goes on to say, so when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you'll escape God's judgment? No, we won't. Neither did David. Now, in this passage in Matthew, Jesus uses the word hypocrite, one of the three things young people think of Christianity today. And in this case, a hypocrite is someone who sees the wrong in others but he can't see the wrong in his own life. Now, Jesus isn't saying that we shouldn't correct others. What he's saying is, when we see someone in need of correction, we should first look for the log in our eye, then deal with the speck in theirs. He isn't forbidding judgment that is done at the right time, or in the right place, or in the right way with the right spirit. We read in Galatians 6, 1, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Notice it says gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Our desire should always be to restore, never to condemn a person who is in sin. God's judgment is always meant to draw us closer to Him. And then lastly, fourth, we learn from Jesus that some people won't receive our help. We try to help people and they, they don't want our help. We may go to some people to help them and they don't want to hear it. Jesus illustrates this in verse 6. He says, Do not give dogs what is holy. And do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, pearls before pigs communicates the idea of giving something valuable or spiritual to someone who doesn't care. Now, just imagine giving a pig a string of pearls. I mean, do you think the pig cares? No, no, you, you give him some garbage to root in or some mud or slop to waller in. He's a happy pig. He's good to go. But a string of pearls? No way. He could care less. No, Jesus said they may trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. You know, there is a man that Kelly and I have known for some time. And we had good reason to believe that his son was dealing drugs. And this was going on for some time. And we thought, well, what should we do? And we, we talked it over. And we thought it was our responsibility to go to this man and to tell him. So we went to him and we said, look, we hate to tell you this, but we think your son is dealing drugs. We're, we're, we're absolutely sure he is. Do you know how he responded? He blew up at us. I mean, he started swearing and cursing at us and accusing us of all kinds of things. 
We're just trying to help him. You see, sometimes you try to help someone and they turn on you. That's the idea that's being portrayed here. Out of love, you try to tell some people the truth and they say, I don't want to hear that. Or maybe you try to share your faith with someone, but they're not open and they scoff or they get angry. You see, that's why Jesus said, don't give your don't give dogs what is holy. Speaking of dogs, have you noticed it seems the trend in culture today is for people to treat dogs like people? Yeah, I've seen some dogs like wearing little doggy shoes some dogs wearing little doggy sweaters or coats. And, and I even hear now they have dog hotels. I guess where the dog can check in and experience the finest dog luxuries. Uh, you know, and instead of getting a pedicure, they get a pedicure. But and, and don't even get me started on people pushing dogs in strollers. But now I like dogs. Don't get me wrong. I love dogs. But do you think dogs like all that? To wear little doggy shoes or doggy sweaters or be pushed in a stroller? I don't think so. It's like I've said before. Dogs want to chase cats, eat roadkill, and drink toilet water. Okay, that's how they roll. That's what they want. Okay? So here's the point. Some people we try to help, and they don't want our help. Sometimes we try to share the gospel with them, and they won't listen. In fact, they'll say, you're foolish. They may say, you're crazy. You're nuts. There was a woman in Germany when Kelly tried to share the gospel. She just unleashed on Kelly and said, you're just crazy. But you know, that's what the Bible tells us. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. You tell some people God loves you and sent his son to die on the cross for you. And they may laugh at you or think you're crazy or foolish. So what do you do? Do you tell them off? Do you smack them? Well, of course not. Sometimes you just walk away. They're not ready yet. You hope that someday they will. And you pray that someday they'll listen, that they'll be ready. But you just walk away. See, you don't throw your pearls to pigs or give to dogs what is holy. Jesus himself practiced this. Have you ever noticed how he never dealt with any two people the same way? To some, he revealed himself and to others, he did not. Remember Nicodemus, the Pharisee who came to Jesus at night? Jesus spent the entire evening with him, answering his questions. They had an extended conversation that ultimately uh, led to Nicodemus's conversion. But with other Pharisees, Jesus had little to say. Or how about the woman at the well, who I believe in some ways was sarcastic, flippant. But she had been scarred by sin and she had a hard exterior. But Jesus stays with her. Jesus loves her and wins her over because he saw through her facade. This is where we need discernment. You see, some people on the outside, they're hard. But deep inside, they know they're lost. And they're just waiting for someone to give them some hope. That there's a God in heaven who loves them and is willing to forgive them and has a plan for their life. They may be tough on the outside, a tough exterior. And we may think that they would never listen or want to hear, but often they're the ones who are the most open. 
I was talking to a man just like that the other day. And then there are some people who are nice and polite and they smile, but they're not interested at all. They're not open at all. They are actually, I I hate to say it, but they're the dogs or the pigs. So we can't judge by mere outward appearances. This is why we need to pray for wisdom and discernment. This is why we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. There are some people we need to walk away from. But there are others we need to stay with. And keep loving them and praying for them. And keep pressing. Because the Holy Spirit shows us to stay with them. And in the words of that famous theologian, Kenny Rogers... We need to know when to hold them. And we need to know when to fold them. We need to know when to walk away. And we need to know when to stay. Some of you are thinking that Kenny Rogers is a theologian. No, he's not. I was just joking. I know it's hard to believe. I was just joking. But you know, there's some truth. There's some truth to that. There is some truth to that. You know, it's interesting how Jesus spoke to Pontius Pilate. He answers Pilate's questions. He talked to Pilate. He responded to him. But when Jesus was sent over to King Herod, he wouldn't even speak to him. You see, Pilate's trying to figure this out. He's a pagan Roman. He's trying to find out who Jesus is. He's asking Jesus questions. He says, are you the king of the Jews? Don't you realize I have power to crucify you? Jesus said, no. You have no power over me at all if it weren't given to you from above. He's having a conversation with Jesus and Jesus is responding to him. He's trying to figure out who Jesus is. But Herod, Herod doesn't care. He doesn't care who Jesus is. He just wants to be dazzled. Hey, Jesus, show show me some miracles. I've been wanting to see some of your tricks. Show me some tricks, Jesus. Jesus doesn't say a word. Not a single word. Isn't that interesting? To Pilate, a long conversation. To Herod, not a word. Because Jesus knew that with Herod, it would be casting his pearls before swine. You see, Herod didn't care who Jesus was, but others did. Others wanted to know. They were searching for truth. They knew that something was missing in their life. And they were searching for something. Maybe they didn't know what it was, but they were searching for God. And Jesus loved them. And he spent time with them. And he revealed himself to them. And you know, it's just the same today. God will always reveal himself to the true seeker. He'll always reveal himself to the true seeker. And maybe you're here this morning. Maybe there's just one or two people here and you're seeking. Maybe you're trying to find out what Christianity is all about. And first of all, I want to just say we're so glad you're here. And I want to tell you that God did not send his son into the world to judge the world or to condemn the world. He sent his son into the world to save the world. How? By going to the cross You see, when Jesus was on that cross, he was dying for you, for your sins and my sins. And when he was there on the cross, bleeding and dying, God took all of your sins and all of my sins and he laid them on Jesus. And he took the punishment we deserve. He took the judgment in hell 
that we deserve. You see, the cross was a judgment. Jesus took it for you. He took our place, not because he had to, but because he loves us. And he wants us to have forgiveness. He wants us to be saved. He wants us to have a relationship with him. You know, this morning, you can come to the one who doesn't want to be your judge, but wants to be your Lord and Savior. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We do know it's true. And Lord, I ask that if there is someone here this morning, and maybe they've never received you as Lord and Savior, maybe they're not sure that you live in their heart, and they can't say for sure, I know my sins are forgiven, I I know that if I died, I'm going to heaven. They don't have that hope. Lord, would you help them right now to come to you, to put their faith and trust in you? Would you help them to just pray a simple prayer? If that's you this morning, I want to ask you to pray a simple prayer. And if it's prayed from your heart, God will hear. God has promised that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you just pray right now? Say, oh God, I know I'm a sinner. And I'm sorry for my sin. Will you help me to turn from my sin? But Jesus, I believe you're the Savior. I believe you died for me. You rose from the dead. And I want to ask you to come into my heart, into my life, and forgive my sin. And make me the person you want me to be. Would you just pray that right now from your heart and God will hear. Make sure right now. Father, we do thank you for your word, for the truth of it. Father, we thank you for how you've spoke to us this morning. Lord, give us grace to apply what you've showed us. Father, if there are logs in our eye, would you show us that? There's sin that needs to be confessed, sin that we need to repent of. Would you help us to turn from that? Lord, would you help us to judge with right judgment, to be wise and discerning, and to speak the truth and love. Would you help us to do that? In Jesus' name, amen.